super stoked to be here today. And we, if, if this is your first time here on a Sunday morning, I'm one of the pastors here. And we have been in this series recently called For Me and My House. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series? I love this series. This series is taken out of Joshua 24, and our big pillar statement for this is, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And what we're doing in this series is we're just diving into what does that mean? What does that mean for me to be somebody who builds a house that serves God? And what we've explored is that this doesn't just mean our house as in the physical home that we live in and I'm gonna build it with my bricks and make it bigger. But no, it, it's my sphere of influence. It's where God has placed me. It's the people that are under my influence. If you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you have coworkers, if you're the cool uncle, if you're 13 years old and you've got a team, that's your house. And that's what we're talking about building today. And I just think this is so important. And I think that this morning as we're here, I wanna encourage you that God has something for you today. That, do you believe that today? Yeah. That God's got something for you? I appreciate that. <laughs> Emphatic. Hey, well, if you're taking notes, if you're a note person, I'm a note person. Um, the title of this message is Piece by Piece. If you're a, a secondary title person, some people are, secondary title for this message, if you're just being extra, is I came in like a wrecking ball. Um, <laughs> can we pray? God, thank you so much um, for redeeming that title. And thank you so much, Lord, that you're with us today, God, and that we have the opportunity as believers to build something with you. And so God, I just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, that you would speak to our souls, that you would speak to our life, that you would speak to our future. And I thank you, God, that you have something for everybody here. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Oh, I had an interesting interaction um, a couple weeks ago with one of my neighbors. I was picking up my daughter, Hayden, she's seven, I was picking her up from the bus stop, and I'm, we're walking home from the bus, and there's just this whole crew of neighbors. There's so many of us, there's so many kids, I love our neighborhood, and I'm walking back from the bus stop, and I've got my two-year-old daughter, Lennon, holding her hand. I've got my dog, Gibby, on his leash, who's just going, spazzing out, because there's so many, it's the only time he leaves the house, and it's for about five minutes, and he's just so happy. We're really great dog owners. And then I've got my four-year-old son, and then we've got like five neighborhood kids that are all around us, and they're all kind of swarming us, like some are petting Gibby, some are talking to Hayden, they're talking about this talent show that they're going to do that they made up on the bus, and it's just kind of this like, this scene of chaos. And one of my neighbors, he's across the street, and he's like, you look like a mother hen with all your chicks. And I was like, oh, that's sweet, and just kind of laugh. I'm like, yeah, you're right, ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, you're just such a kid person. And I, and I laughed, and I was like, you're right. But in my heart, I was like, oh, man, you don't know me. You don't know me at all. <laughs> Do we have any kid people in the room? I want to see your hands. I, I admire you. Pastor Steve, Taylor, yeah, when Taylor and I weren't dating in high school, I would have so many moms come up to me and be like, you know, he'll be a great dad someday. He's so good with kids. And I'm like, that's nice. And, it, and it's true, he's an amazing dad. But that is something for me personally, I've just never been like a kid person. And that sounds funny because I'm, I am literally a mom and I love my kids and I love being a mom and I, I love my friends' kids. I love my kids' friends. I am literally a mom. Like I drive a minivan proudly. I have a craft drawer. We have a trampoline. Like I'm, I'm a mom, love being a mom. But I've just never actually fallen into that category of being someone who's a, like a kid person. It just like loves being with kids. I never really babysat when I was growing up. I babysat my cousin Joseph. 
that you, some of you guys have met him, and that's about, that doesn't really count because we like played video games and it wasn't like real babysitting. I changed my first diaper when my first daughter was seven days old, and it was only because Taylor had to go back to work, and I was like, well, I guess I got to do it now. <laughs> and <laughs> I had so many people when I was pregnant with Hayden that would be like, you've never changed a diaper, you need to practice. And I'm like, no. I've gone this far in my life not doing it. Why would I speed this up? I'm gonna put it off as long as I can. And one byproduct of not being a kid person is that the truth is, when I was pregnant with my oldest, I was actually like nervous about how I would be as a mom because being with kids was so unfamiliar to me. Like I would have people come up to me and be like, can't you just, you're so excited to just snuggle your newborn? And I'd be like, yeah. Okay, and like, and inside I'm like feeling so much anxiety because I've never like held a newborn and I'm like, I'm like, they let me take it home, like so freaky. And I remember one time I was talking with somebody and I was like feeling kind of vulnerable and I said to them like in this moment of like vulnerability, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous that I'm not gonna love my baby as, as much as I love our dog, Gibby. And the person started laughing and, and I was like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. But inside I'm like, no, help me. Like, I'm so nervous, like I was so nervous. And it's just so funny, because then flash forward, my daughter's born and all the things that you hear, all the things that are to any parents in the room, yes, if you're not a parent, you, know, you will know this someday. It's like your baby is born and something awakens inside of you that you just didn't even know was there. It's like as if there was this part of my personality, this part of my heart that I had never been exposed to and then all of a sudden it's, it's alive and well and I've got this baby and I was obsessed, like just so, like, so obsessed, so many pictures, so, I mean, cringy pictures that I'd post online and be like, look at her, and it's just like her, like, sitting there, and like, I was just so obsessed. I mean, I still am, and it's funny because, you know, we just, all of a sudden, I became a kid person in that moment with my kids, and so we, you know, bring Hayden home, we survived the first couple, several weeks of baby planet, newborn land where you're surviving and kind of on a twilight zone. And then we kind of start finding our groove as parents. And I remember just being just so elated and so in love with this baby. And then something started to happen. I started to encounter some really awesome Debbie Downers. We ever met a Debbie Downer? You know what I'm talking And I remember having these distinct moments where I'd just be so happy and I'd be holding my baby and some person would be like, well, you know, you better get all those snuggles in now because she's gonna be crawling soon and they're never gonna want you to touch them again. And I'd be like, oh gosh, like, okay, I will. You know, I remember like talking to someone and Hayden was starting to coo and like make her little sounds and it's just like, like newborn, they're so cute. Like baby sounds, three month old baby when they're just making those little sounds, it's adorable. And I remember saying that to someone, I will never forget it. The person I was saying it to, I don't, I don't even remember their face, but I remember what they said. They're like, well, you better enjoy that now because soon she's going to start talking back to you. And then you're not going to want to listen to anything she says. And I'm like, wow, okay, like, thank you. Like, really appreciate it. And it was just so funny because there was constantly this seed that was trying to get planted in my heart that parenting sucked, that, you know, I better enjoy it now because soon enough my kids are all going to hate me and I'm going to hate my life, like that kind of thing. And I remember really like having to battle this and feeling this like, how do I, you know, I feel all these feelings. I'm so in love with my kid. I'm so happy as a mom. And yeah, it's not easy. I'm not sleeping. You know, I've got throw up on me all the time, but I, I, I love my kid, but also feeling, hearing this narrative all the time that was like, you know, it actually really sucks, like what you're doing, like brace yourself, that kind of thing. And it's funny because there was this, 
battle going on for my perspective, and I didn't even really know I was in that battle. And I mean, I still experience this today as a parent in the realm of parenting, of people saying, oh, you're, you know, kids are cute now, but just wait till you know, this happens, and then you know, you're going to be crying, that kind of thing. And it's fascinating, and I think this is important in the context of the series, because our perspective, the battle for our perspective, is actually really a battle for our house. Because the way that we see our house, the way that we see our role within that, the way that we see our role within the home that we're in, and that can be in your context if you're a parent, that can be if you're on a team, that can be your coworkers, cool uncle, wherever you find yourself, your role within that place is significant. And your role within that place and your perspective towards it has the ability to build that house and make it awesome, or has the ability to tear that place down with your perspective. I wanna read us a scripture. This is Proverbs 14.1, and it says, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. This scripture is fascinating to me, and I've, I've studied it many times. Um, and two things in this that I wanna point out. Number one, the, the, word that, the Hebrew word that they use for house is this word that is bayith. And what it represents isn't, like I said, a house that you know, the wise woman is really wise in the way she builds it with her measuring tape and her glue. No, no, no. What it represents is her household and what, what, a, what it represents, like everything a house represents, generations, influence, um, things to come, your, your people, that, that's the house. And then further down when it says, tears it down. It's a Hebrew phrase, haras. And this is what's so fascinating, is what this means is to break something down piece by piece, to, to pluck it down. The imagery of like, I'm one by one, taking it down. It's not a wrecking ball that comes in and just destroys this place, big bad wolf style. But it's slow, it's subtle, it's piece by piece. It's layer by layer, takes time. I hear that and I'm like, shoot, like, I wanna be the wise woman, sign me up. You know, like, okay, easy. But isn't it so true that it is so much easier in this context, at least I know for myself, to actually be the foolish person in this? Because building something, that takes intention. That takes time, that takes focus, that takes you know, working towards something. Anybody can break something down. And it's interesting that we just remodeled our house. Um, you guys, if you've been here on a Sunday, you've probably heard my husband Taylor talk about this. We had a water leak, blah, 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 ruined our floors. And it's funny because I remember the day that our contractor did the demo day. And I remember stopping by the house, and it's like him and his guys, they've got like music blasting, they're just having fun, because we had to literally gut our hole downstairs. So they're just going for it, and it's like, obviously they had skill, they weren't like destroying our pipes and stuff, but it's like they were ripping stuff out. But the process that actually took the time to, you know, why we had to be out of our house, was the building it back up, that took so much skill. That's where they're busting out the measuring tape. That's where they're making sure everything's level, making sure the integrity of the structure's good. I remember visiting our house towards the end of the project and we were like a day away from moving back in and our contractor was there and him and his guys were on their hands and knees 
with these tiny paintbrushes, just like perfecting the paint on the trim to like just make sure there was no bleed. They were really great. I highly recommend them if you need a contractor. But it's like, it took so much skill to build this thing back up, but the ripping of it down just kind of happened with ease. It happened over time. It happened just with it, like almost effortlessly. And what this looks like for us when we, you know, can be the foolish woman in this that tears it down. And I think it's interesting too to note that it doesn't say the evil person. It doesn't say the, the person who, you know, hates their family and is like, I want to destroy you. It doesn't say that. It says just the foolish woman. She's just acting a fool. And some of the, what this looks like, being overly critical, focusing on the negative, projecting fear, projecting negativity, comparison. You know, oh, I wish that, you know, I could be like that family over there, they've got that going on, or their house is so much better than mine, and all of that. So being selfish, having nothing ever be good enough. All of these things, these aren't wrecking ball type experiences that we have. These are things that break something down piece by piece. These are things that when compounded, when they're happening over time, when it's the way you're living your life, when you're overly critical, when you're, you know, you're living with somebody and you see all their flaws and soon enough, nothing they can do is good enough and everything they do is just, oh, that's bugging me, it's bugging me. You know, you see your parents and you're like, man, I know this about you, so when you say that, I don't, I'm not gonna listen to it. Overly critical. It breaks things down piece by piece. And I wanna ask us today, are you building or are you tearing down with your perspective? With the way that you view things, the way that you view your spouse? Are you building them up? Are you tearing them down? With the way that you talk about things, with the, the words that are coming out of your mouth, about your kids, about your boss, about your friends? Are you building them up? Or are you tearing them down? I know somebody who's always complaining about how much their friends suck, but then also complaining about how they can never find good friends. And it's kind of, I watch this circle and I'm like, I, I bet your friends are hearing you talk about how much you hate them and <laughs> don't really want to hang out. Like, I, like it's, hard, it's a hard thing to watch because they're always like, no one wants to hang out with me. All oh, my friends all suck. And I'm like, they put it online, literally post things online all the time about all, and I'm like, if I was your friend, I'd be like, man, what are you trying to say? But we, these are things that we can tear down. And so in order to build, we have to be intentional. We need to work towards it. And this morning what I wanna do, I wanna give us two thoughts, two ways to build and two ways to tear down. Two ways to build and two ways to tear down. Number one is with your words. You can build or you can tear down. Proverbs 18.21 says, those who love to talk will experience the consequences, for the tongue can kill or nourish life. Are the things that you're speaking, are they building or are they, are they tearing? Are they things that are breaking something down piece by piece or are they something that's building something up piece by piece? Because the reality is, is that the people that are in our home, the people that are in our proximity, under our influence, they will naturally begin to pick up the things that we say. The other day, I, just a couple days ago, I had a phone meeting with Gabe Osborne. Guys, we all know Gabe, we love Gabe, he led worship this morning. Gabe, you're great, love you. And Gabe's our, our worship director for UD, so he and I have a standing, every week we have a meeting, and this last week we met on the phone. 
And it was funny, we get on the phone and he's like, Noel, he's like, when I went to call you, he's like, I couldn't find your name in my phone because I kept typing it Noral. And, <laughs> and we just started laughing. And because it's kind of an inside joke on the worship team, one thing that you guys should know about me, I'm honestly just, I'm really just, let's call it what it is. I'm just a really big dork. And I get amused by dumb stuff all the time. And the people who are exposed to this the most, honestly, is the worship team. I'm sorry, guys, because I see that we're with each other all the time. And so recently, one of the things that's been amusing me is this language called the or language. Don't ask me about it. I don't know where it came. I do know where it came from. It's just embarrassing. But basically, it looks like you're replacing things with, the, with or. So if I was to say, hello, how are you today? I'd say, horror, horror your door. And it's just, it's just fun to say, like it flows out. If you want to adopt it, you can. I will, I will bless me. Horror, horror store. Yeah, that's like, that's what it is. <laughs> see, it's funny. So I've been doing that for the last couple of months. And every time I see Gabe, I'm like, gorb. And <laughs> it's just fun to say, Jamor Lorne. And... <laughs> So Gabe, being another person with a very sophisticated level of sense of humor, plays along and he's like, Noral! And so we were laughing on the phone and I just thought it was so funny because it's just a great example of how when you're in proximity to somebody, when you're around them, you pick up the things that they say. And on the reverse of that, you can have people pick up from you things that you don't want to put down, but they pick up. The other day I was with my two-year-old daughter, Lennon, and I was being super mean, took a permanent marker from her because I didn't want her running all over my house. And my daughter, Lennon, she looks at me with her like super high-pitched voice. This is literally how she talks. And she goes, no, mommy, stupid meanie, like that. That's, that's how she talks, like that high. And it literally, but that's what she said, stupid meanie. And I was like, at first I started laughing. And then I was like, Lennon, you just called me stupid meanie. Like, where did you hear that? And then I realized like, oh my gosh, no, she heard that in our house because she's two, she doesn't go anywhere. And she, Taylor and I don't call our kids stupid meanie, but our other two are four and seven. And that is the ultimate insult that they have. And so she picked that up. And I want to ask you, what are the people that are around you picking up? What are they picking up when they're with you? Because we have to give them something worth repeating. Are they picking up gossip? Yeah, you see that person walking down the street? That's weird. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, my boss today came in and said this to me. Are they picking up a loose tongue? I think sometimes in the safety of our home, we can feel like because it's a safe space that it can become our venting space. And what that can also breed into the people that are around us is that we get to just be loose with what we say. Are they picking up fear? Are they picking up doom and gloom? You know, the world's falling apart and everything sucks and I want to move to an island and never talk to anybody again. And well, I never, you know, it's like, are they, are they picking that up, that narrative? What are they picking up from what you're around? The people that are with you, that are in your proximity, that are in your home, they will begin to take fragments of what you say and they will adapt it into their own language and let it come out. So we have to give them something better to say. For me, I was fortunate in my upbringing. I grew up with parents that loved me and had a, a, I grew up in a great home. And one thing that I think about constantly as an adult is how grateful I am for my mom and how she just spoke life into me all the time. 
I have these distinct memories. I have this memory of being in the car with her one time. And she was, I don't know, remember the context. I don't know if there was other people there. But I remember we were praying for something. And she turned around and she grabbed my hand. And she goes, Noelle, will you pray? You have the gift of healing. And I remember as a child, something in me, I didn't really know what she meant, but something was emboldened inside of me that was like, oh yeah, okay, I have the gift of healing, I'll pray. And, I, and I've always thought of that now, even as an adult, when I pray for somebody, when I'm praying for healing, I remember my mom saying, you have the gift of healing. It sparked something in me. I have memories of being in junior high and in, and in high school and feeling super insecure and having these moments where I'd be, you know, getting ready and looking in the mirror and being like, oh gosh, and just, you know, not liking what I saw and feeling so torn up about myself. And I have distinct memories of coming downstairs, having felt like that, walking downstairs, my mom would be in the kitchen and she'd stop what she's doing and go, oh my gosh, you just look like a model. Did you just walk out of a magazine? Wow. And just like, and it felt so natural. And it, and then, you know, on the outside, I was like, mom, stop. But on the inside, I was like, yeah. Like it, it like, <laughs> like ministered to me. And I can tell you now as a 35-year-old woman that there are seeds that my mom planted in me that I still carry the fruit of, that are still producing fruit in me because she took the time to sow something good. When you speak into somebody, you have the power with those words, just like the scripture says, to nourish life to plant something that's going to grow, to plant something that is going to see fruit 30 years down the road. So what are we sowing? What are we sowing with our words? What are we sowing? Are we planting seeds that are gonna build? Are we planting seeds that are gonna tear down? A really great way that we can do this that's just so practical is literally just by identifying what kind of seeds we wanna plant and putting words around them. So if, if you want to plant a seed of hope into your kids, if you're looking at your kids and you're like, wow, the world is kind of hard right now and I'm nervous for them. Instead of saying, yeah, the world's hard right now and I'm nervous for your future, you say, hey, you know what? Like God has good plans for you. He's built you to live in a time like this and you just start speaking words of hope. If you want your kids to be successful and go to college, you know, you're not saying things like, yeah, you better get good grades because if you don't, you're not going to get into college. And if you don't get into college, you're going to struggle your whole life. And, you know, projecting that, you say, hey, you're smart. You're a hard worker. You have favor. You're going to have doors that are going to open for you. And you start speaking a better word into them that they can have planted. You know, if you're a big sibling in this room, you can speak to your little siblings and draw something out of them, have a voice that no one else does. And I think that's what's so interesting with our tongue and our words and the things that we say is that each and every one of us in this room, you have a voice that is unique to you. Like I have a voice in people in my life that you don't have. You have a voice in people in your life that I don't have. And so when you choose to plant seeds with your words that can nourish life, it's a unique opportunity that only you have, that God gives you the opportunity to use. So can I challenge us this morning? Let's be people that speak a better word. Let's give people something good to repeat. Let's be intentional with what we say. Number two is our perspective. You can build or you can tear down with your perspective. Luke 6.45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything that you do. What is your heart full of? Is it full of fear? Is it full of 
insecurity? Is it full of, you know, needing to be the best? Didn't it always look perfect? Is it full of stress? Is it full of worry? What's in your heart, what it's full of, will begin to pour out and become the lens that you see your perspective through. It begins to kind of shape and be the blueprints that your perspective kind of flows through. And this is where that principle of it's so much easier to tear down than to build up really comes into play. Because just like it says there, we have to guard our hearts. We have to actively keep this in check because our natural tendency as people is to be led with our emotions, is to be led with the things that are going around us, is just, we're people, we're imperfect, it happens. And so this is something that we have to actively do. And where it says you have to guard your heart, that the, the imagery there isn't like the kind of guard that you see in some like, you know, Paul Blart mall cop type guard. It's like, like when I think of that, like if I, you know, if I was threatened and someone was coming after me and my family, you know, I wouldn't hire Kip from Napoleon Dynamite to be my bodyguard. I would hire Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Liam Neeson from Taken. I would get somebody who I trust. I would get somebody who's scary. I would get somebody who's on guard because I want them to protect me. And so when it says guard your heart, that's an action word. That's not complacent. That's not just sitting there, you know, as a lump on a log, but it's no, it's you guard that thing. And the cool thing is, though, is that that doesn't mean as people and as believers that we have to just live our lives on edge and just constantly worried that something bad is going to get in our heart. But there's really simple ways to do this that are fun. And one of the best ways that you can guard your heart and guard your perspective and to build something truly beautiful is just simply by having a vision. If you've ever built anything, you know that it starts with a vision. A couple years ago, Taylor and I remodeled our backyard. And when I say we remodeled it, we had people that remodeled it for us, just to be clear. Um, but we remodeled our backyard, and I didn't know five years ago that that was even something that people did. I figured you had to be a millionaire to remodel your backyard, and I just, we just lived and existed with our large backyard that was just kind of a, a secret garden of crap. And we basically, you know, endured it. And I remember a couple summers ago, I was sitting outside in the backyard with my kids, and it's like I'm looking around, and I'm like, man, I hate being out here. It's like, I hate it. Our patio's all dilapidated. We've got this corner of like stumps and like dead bushes. And then we've got like janky grass and all this old landscaping that's overgrown. And we have my garden that my brother planted for me that lasted like one summer. And now it's literally a box of dirt that my kids all play in the dirt. And we're, you know, our neighbors probably think we're so weird because we're the house with the dirt lump. And it's like, I'm just sitting there like, man. But yet on the other, <laughs> on the other hand, I'm like, I, I value my kids being outside. You know, we bought a house with a yard for a reason so they could play outside. And I'm not in the phase yet where I can just be like, play outside, kids. I have to be out there with them, and I want to be out there with them. So how do I do this? We need to have, can we have a better backyard? And I remember as I started to explore what could that look like to have a better backyard, it was overwhelming because it's like, oh, okay, we have to get like an excavator, and we have to hire somebody, and we live in a neighborhood. How are we going to bring a tractor into our fenced backyard? And like, I mean, all these logistical things that made it complicated. But then what was funny was that as I started visualizing it, the vision that I had for that became all that I could see. I remember looking in our janky backyard and seeing the corner where the stumps were and the bush and thinking, that's where we're gonna put our gazebo. 
And then underneath that, we're gonna have a fire table and the kids will roast marshmallows and we'll sit out there with our friends and we'll, we'll you know, talk around the fire at night and we'll have conversations. Over there, we're gonna clear that area out and we're gonna put the place set there and we'll get a trampoline and we'll, get the, we'll be the cool house that has a trampoline that the neighborhood kids come to and they won't be afraid of us anymore because of our dirt pit. And like literally just like getting this vision of like, what could this be? And it was so interesting because that vision made it so easy to move towards that. When things were challenging, when we had to literally hire an excavator to come in, and this is really funny, the guy was like, hey, you should probably warn your neighbors that it's gonna be really loud with the jackhammers, and because we have to excavate everything and get the old patio out, I'm like, they're fine. And I forgot that they did it on the morning of our neighborhood Easter egg hunt. So then everybody really hated us because our house was the loud house with the jackhammers on the day before Easter. But it was like, it was challenging, you know, but the truth was, is that having that vision is what made moving forward so easy. Because what was, what wasn't working anymore, didn't fit into our vision. It made it really easy to get rid of our old dilapidated patio furniture that was rusty, but free, because we're like, no, it doesn't fit into our vision. It made it really easy when things were challenging and we had to have some skin in the game and we had to sacrifice and our backyard was all ripped up and we couldn't let our dog in the backyard for three weeks and we had to go in the front and it was inconvenient, but we had a vision and that vision kept us going. When you have a vision, for your life, when you have a vision for your house, your influence, your people, it puts parameters around your perspective yeah. so that when things try to creep in and when things try to get in there that don't line up with that vision, you're able to identify, you know what, that's not part of my vision, so I'm not, I'm not doing that. Wow. It makes it easy to push things out that don't line up anymore because it's not part of your vision. So what does this look like? It looks like if you have a vision to have a healthy marriage, and to stay married and be happy. It looks like when you catch yourself in your mind, awfulizing your spouse and pick, being overly critical, you say, oh, you know what? That doesn't really line up with my vision to have a healthy marriage and to build that person up. So I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna focus on those things. It looks like when you have a vision to have kids that love God, that it makes the things like talking to your kids about God kind of a no-brainer. It makes things like bringing them to youth group if they're in high school and in teenagers kind of a no-brainer because you're like, no, I, I want this for you. When we have a vision, it allows us to be able to move forward. I think of that with my mom. My mom had a vision for the way that she wanted to raise her kids. My mom spoke life into me. And sometimes I feel like with a vision, we think that we have to only work with what's available to us right now, what's in our hands at the moment. And we can limit ourselves, and we can limit God when we think that way. Because sometimes when you have a vision, it does look like you're building off of something that you already have. I'm, for me with my kids, I'm building off of a foundation that was laid for me. But sometimes when you're getting a vision for your house, it looks like you're blazing a new trail. It looks like you're, you are crafting something out of nothing and setting a new trajectory. And can I tell you, even though that can seem overwhelming, we serve a God who works really, really well in the impossible, who works really, really well at creating something out of nothing. I mean, the world, creation, manna from heaven, you know, see through the ocean. You know, God's really, really good at paving new paths. I think of my mom and what I shared with you guys of what she's spoken to me. My mom did not grow up with that kind of upbringing. My mom grew up in dysfunction. My mom grew up in abuse. And she had to have a vision for the way she was going to raise her family. And what's just so beautiful is that my mom, because of that vision, forged a new seed, planted that seed in me, 
And now I get to plant that seed in my kids. My kids get to plant that seed in their kids. She literally, through her vision, changed a whole generational trajectory and started something new from having a vision and putting words to it. You have the power to do that. I have the power to do that. We have the power with our perspective and with our words to be able to change generational lines. And we have a God who wants to create that with us. I'd like to invite the band up right now. And I want to read one more scripture. It's Psalms 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. What's interesting here is that word house is the same word that we read in Proverbs 14.1. It's a house that represents what a house represents. You know, not a physical house. It's not talking about if the builders that are literally construction workers building a house aren't Christians, then, you know, that house is bad. No, it's saying that when, if the, if the laborers are not working in the Lord, they labor in vain. And if you go on here, this, the word for vain, the Hebrew word for that is shav. And it, what it represents is empty, nothingness, falsehood. So in the, unless the Lord is the one building the house, then what is being built is empty. It's in nothingness, it's hollow. And when I read this, what it communicates to me is how much we need God. We, we can try to build things on our own, we can, you know, work real hard, but what we end up building just comes short. It's hollow. It's empty. And the truth is, is that we're people. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to be swayed by tough stuff in our life and have seasons where we go through funks and our perspective is real whack. We're going we're gonna to have those things happen to us because we're not perfect. And what the scripture is saying is, hey, we need God. But this is so encouraging because we serve a God who's like awesome. He's made it so clear to us that he wants to be with us. Time and time in scripture, God goes out of his way to communicate to his people that he's for them, that he believes in them, that he loves them, that he's equipping them, that he's with them. His name literally means Emmanuel, came to earth in the form of a little baby, you know, was with the people. God goes above and beyond trying to get us to see, hey, you're not alone in this. God didn't create you and give you dominion over your life and put you in your house so that he can sit up in heaven with a scepter and laugh at you when you mess it up. No, he sits up there and is like, let me lean in. Let me come to your level. Let me walk with you. And I want to just encourage you today in this room, and if you're watching online, to see yourself as a builder. You know, to see yourself as somebody who's not, not the foolish woman, but no, you're a builder. You're somebody who's building the house. You're somebody who's brick by brick, not breaking it down, but building it back up. And this morning, what I want to do is I just want to pray for us as a congregation. Can I invite you this morning to just to close your eyes and to just bow your heads. This is so encouraging to me because we need God. And living in a posture of recognizing, God, I need you. I need you every day. I need you when things are going well. I need you when things are going bad. I need you every single day. 
That posture is the humble posture that we stay in so that God can partner with us and God can help us build. But this morning as we're here in this time, if you're in this room, maybe you're feeling like, man, I've really messed this up. I've been that person who's tearing stuff down. I've been that person who is brick by brick taking things down and I didn't even really realize I was doing that. Can I encourage you today that we serve a God who can in a moment change things, who can in a moment give you a new perspective, who can redeem the most broken situations, that there is not any kind of situation or any kind of thing that you've destroyed that God can't come in and say, hey, let me sit here with you and we're gonna build this thing back up. Let me get in the dirt with you and I'm gonna grab these bricks with you and I'm gonna help you lift it. I'm gonna help you put it back. And I wanna encourage you today that if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, how am I gonna do this? That God is on your side, that he's with you. So what I wanna do today is I'm gonna pray for you. And if this resonates with you, if you want to be somebody who is a builder, I wanna ask you to lift your hands so that I can pray for you. And I'm intentionally asking that because I want us to have some skin in the game, guys. Like this is something to celebrate. Like we're builders. This is not something to be ashamed of. This is not something that we should feel like, oh gosh, that's not me. No, 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 I wanna be a builder. I wanna have some skin in the game. I wanna say, hey God, look at me. I'm waving my hand. I want you with me in this. So if that's you, I wanna invite you to lift your hands and I'm gonna pray for you this morning. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our firm foundation. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity every day to build with you. And God, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice right now. God, that if if we're sitting in the seat of saying, man, I've really messed this up. God, would you take away shame? And would you replace that with an emboldened spirit to see ourselves growing, to see ourselves building, to see you there in the dirt. I just, I just feel this on my heart that there's people in this room where what you see is it's like you're sitting there next to this pile of bricks on the ground and you're just in the dirt covered in it by yourself trying to lift it back up. And I, and, but what you don't see is that God is sitting right there. He's in the dirt with you. He's lifting those pieces with you and putting them back. You're not doing it on your own strength. And God, I just thank you for that, that you're giving us a new vision. And God, I thank you that you are helping each and every one of us, every single person in this room, whether we're 90 or 19 or 13 or 35, God, that you are with us, walking with us, building with us, helping us to have opportunities to see, to sow seeds that grow, helping us to have opportunities to get our perspectives in check. God, we just thank you for that and for what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, can we do that, guys? Can we be people that build?